You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. It's 7 p.m. Pacific Time and 10 p.m. Eastern Time. That means it's time for my therapy session with either, let's see, Alexander Sadig. Oh, wait a second. Maybe it's James Callis. You never can tell with those guys, you know. Uh, either way, it's time for Mission Log Live. I'm Norman Lau. And I'm Holly Amos, and I can tell the difference. I know. You can. <laughs> They're both uh, handsome, stubbly guys, like myself. Alexander right? Sadig, though, man. I saw him last weekend, and I was like, why are you still so attractive? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's definitely time to talk about Star Trek Picard, though. Season 2, Episode 7, Monsters. And to see if we can get the one answer or the answer to the one question everybody has, which is, why does Guinan do that thing with her hands every time a cue is involved? I appreciate the callback. I just want to know why. (laughs) As always, we want to hear from you in the Facebook chat and live with us. You know what to do. Click on the Zoom link uh, or give us a ring. uh, 669-900-6833. Enter the meeting code and the password and you will be in the Earl Green Room. And as you do, you know that Earl's going to line you up in the queue. So usually, usually this is when we break to say hi to everyone in Facebook. And I'm going to say hi, like generally hi to everyone in Facebook, especially Bob Amos, who's always there at the number one poll position. You must know somebody to get there. Either that or you're just really bored and you want to like wait for us, I don't know, two hours ahead of time. I don't blame you, but here's what we're going to do tonight. Here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to go into what's happening in Mission Log. And then we have a very special guest at the very top of the hour right now that we're going to bring on very soon. So very quickly, talk about what's happening on Mission Log this week. So our coverage with Voyager continues with ex post facto this Thursday. Moving on, I know everyone's like, oh, great, ex post facto. Uh, make sure you subscribe to Mission Log the Orville on YouTube because special supplemental interview episodes are coming soon. You don't want to miss them with Jessica Lynn Verde and Captain Mike Richards. Make sure you follow them on Twitter at ML underscore the Orville as well. Mission Log Prodigy, as you know, as we all lament, is still on hiatus, which means the podcast is on hiatus. But make sure you follow us on Twitter at ML underscore Prodigy for the latest news and updates as we get them. And Mission Log Engage is also on the Roddenberry YouTube channel. So make sure that you're following what John and I are talking about, especially some of our new fire side chat segments, like our current Star Trek spoilers, spoilers actually spoiling the experience. I get so verklempt about saying that I actually stumble over my own words. Verklempt? Verklempt. Good for you. Thank you. Talk amongst yourselves, you know, as they say. (laughs) You can like and share and subscribe to all these shows on the Roddenberry YouTube channel. And that we will put that if, uh, Earl, if you have time, you would mind dropping that link into the feed where everyone can find that link and then find our channels there. Make sure you stay in touch with us and all of our podcasts at podcast.roddenberry.com. Okay. All of that out of the way. I want all of you, Mission Log Live fans, chat, everyone here, put your hands together either literally or figuratively because we can't hear you clap and uh oh that's true uh give a warm welcome and a round of applause to somebody who has been making some serious waves on social media with his incredible animated filmation style tng episode say hello everyone to justin lee justin t lee as you as we should say justin t hello hey 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 how's everybody doing great good how are you how are you it's so good to be here. I um, actually, Norman, when you said you had a special guest, everyone is probably thinking, "Oh, Sir Pat Stew is here." Sir Pat Stew is here, and it's it's me. Even and better. I'm and I'm very excited to be here. And thank you for the uh, the lovely intro. So, if uh, everyone hasn't seen this yet, what we're talking about, and this happened, I don't know. I maybe have seen this maybe last week, but there was a video that looked incredibly similar to what we'd have seen in 1972. Uh, animated series style, filmation style of an animated short done in the context of the next generation. Justin, first of all, did you expect this thing to blow up as big as it did? This thing is huge on social media now. Yeah, it's a total shock. Um, I mean, I, I fit like the thing is I wanted to just like my wife and I were just like, we really just want to see this thing. We want to see, TNG in the style of TAS. It was just something that we talked about for 
I don't know. It might have been over a year. We just kept saying, wouldn't it be just so cool to see that? And then I did it and I posted it online thinking, you know, a few fans would see this or whatever. And, um, and I went for a really long walk. I turned off my phone. I turned off the internet. I walked, I turned off the computer and I walked into the night and I was like, oh, that was, you know, cause it took a little thing to do. And I was like, that's done. And then the next morning I woke up and it was like, I, you know, <laughs> all, like, all I, I couldn't keep, like, I was trying to keep up with like answer comments and stuff. And I was like, oh, it's just, and I'm so thrilled that people like it and um, that they've been kind of tickled by it. I, I like a lot of people have said that, uh, you know, it's kind of hit that, that um, it, 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 the way the animation moves and the way it looks kind of reminds them of that feeling they had watching TS, which is kind of exactly what I was. It's wildly hoping. nostalgic. What uh, affected me the most, I think, as I was watching it was the fact that there's no white in their eyes. It's yeah. like <laughs> mundane detail. But I was like, yes, the flesh colored eyes. Yeah. <laughs> there's just, yeah, there's something about that style. That's like, it's because they don't quite, perform very much they're very stilted in terms of the the way they move and then Mm -hmm. they don't have whites in their eyes and they Mm -hmm. kind of you know the way their eyes shift around and then like there's long pauses where their heads just kind of turn like this and there's just there's something and you know like i mean this is one thing i couldn't do with this one because i was using audio from tng but like in the animated series it sometimes sounds like shatner i think this is true like he was in like a hotel room recording and trying not to wake up his neighbors. Like that's kind of what it's, the delivery sounds like. So it's got this very, um, but at the same time, it's very comforting. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we literally just put TAS on just because it's just something nice to, it's like a, it's a nice warm blanket, you know? Yeah, And I appreciate that you use the music too, of which there's only like 20 something minutes or something of that music, like on a loop. That so. one action cue that is in uh, the piece um, I swear there's an episode of the animated series where they used it four times. Like, yeah, one probably. yeah, there's not very much of that. Why did you um, choose best of both worlds? Um, I want to say, see, I'm going to lay my cards on the table here. Cause I'm sure some fans, I saw some fans were like, it's clearly a clever thing because it's the best of both worlds of the best of both worlds, because it's hey. like animated and TNG. I, have to admit, I didn't think of that. So fans are smarter <laughs> than me because, yeah, that was not what I thought of. I just was like, it's a really pivotal moment in TNG. I was like, what's something that's got some action that's going to be quite, you know, instead of having like the board cube flying towards the camera, we could just have the board cube kind of do this. And it's like, also bright pink. Amazing. Yes. Great choice. Which yes. is that, is it, was that a reference to the pink tribbles? It was, and the Klingons, Klingon, and purple and pink, a, a bunch yeah. of, yeah, there was a lot of stuff in TAS that was just um, purple and pink, and it just kind of was part of the, the color palette that really kind of stuck with me. Um, and that's the other thing that's, that I'm so, like, happy about is, like, tons of fans I saw in comments said that they were just, like, uh, tickled pink, if I may say so, by the hey. purple and pink. So <laughs> that, that's awesome, yeah. From beginning to end. How long does something like this take? How long did it take you? I think I was working on it for about a week. Like maybe a little on and off, but I just kept picking at it. And the first, so my, my wife, Lindsay, who like Lindsay and I, we are TV producers by like by our day job. And so like, she's out of country right now doing puppet TV stuff in the UK and so I've been home by myself and messaging her and calling her. And so she knew I was doing this thing. It was kind of like a birthday present for her. She was like, I really, really Aww. want you to do this thing. I really want to see it. So the first thing I did was I just put the, um, the, the TAS music with the, the TNG audio. And she started laughing her head off. Like, <laughs> you know, it, it, in, within an, in an endearing way, you know, about the fact that it's just so funny to hear these two things together. Um, and she said, you just have to keep, you have to finish it. So then I just, yeah, I think it was about a week of just kind of poking away at it. Well, congratulations. That's a, uh, that's a wonderful present for your wife. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> that's impressive of a week too. I expected you to say like a couple of months or something. Um, yeah, I, I think um, it was, 
I, it, yeah, it was about a week. I mean, my, my, I was probably not taking enough breaks while I was doing it. Cause I was just like, I just, that, so into know, it. Right, the Riker run and stuff like that. I it was just, <laughs> you know, my arm was hurting after I drew all of those. And I was like, Oh, but I, you know, I just, every time I'd finish a shot, I would play it back. And I, especially that bit where Riker runs at the Borg. And I was just like, Oh yes, I'm enjoy- I'm enjoying this. So hopefully someone else will. So let everyone know, we, we had a nice little session with Justin right before we got online here, and you were saying that you and your wife are currently right now watching Star Trek in order. Where are you in at? Stardate order. In Stardate Star, order. By Stardate order, which is like, I Difficult. mean, also like, we're like, there's nerd and then there's like nerd. I mean, I can't know, I don't know if you can see, but I am wearing a Trek shirt. It's very dark, but. Oh, it's I one of the Star Trek shirts. 2009 shirt, yeah. This is, uh, I bought this on Roddenberry.com when oh! it was available on the store. Thank you very this much. This is the best, best fitting shirt I have. But um, it's the best we, of the best of both worlds. It, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Norman. Yeah. Um, where are we on our Trekathon? Um, there is a website. Um, it's not our website, but I'm plugging it anyway. It Star Trek Chronology Project, I think is what it's called. And it's a group of people that they've chronologically. I don't know how to say that word. Chronologized? That's not a word. Um, all the episodes good. based, sure, based on Stardate. So we're following that, and that included um, the animated series. Um, but now we are on Voyager and Deep Space Nine. Okay. And I just have to say, because I'm like a lifelong Trek fan, like I've watched these things too many times. My wife has never seen this stuff before, so it's first time for every episode she's seeing. And I just remember when we did the transition from TNG to ds9 when ds9 started and the enterprise left you know and o'brien is left behind and you know the enterprise sails off into space and she was like oh don't leave us here don't leave us here as if it was like the first day of school and within like i don't know not even two or three episodes she was like yeah i don't need tng anymore i'm good to ds9 now like ds9 is my place so hey we're we're uh we're having a, a ball on ds9 but um and uh and voyager uh i think we just saw a really good voyager episode um was it ex post facto nope oh darn i mean okay. look it's someone's favorite episode okay right all right uh i think it might be maybe mine or maybe holly's not is mine some, he's is early since <laughs> someone's favorite episode um no i think the one we just saw was um uh, the introduction of Vincent Souter, and I can't remember the name of that episode, but I don't like this is a little ahead of you guys, right? It's right, um, yeah. You're still in first season, though. Yeah, this is season, season two. two. Oh, you're into I season think, two. Yeah, yeah, it yeah is season that's two with. Um, right. Yeah, that's with. Uh, What's the actor's name again? Oh, Warm Tom. Um, Brad Warm Dorif. Dorif. Oh Brad yeah. Dorif. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one last question here, uh, Justin, and, and uh, you can you can pass if you want to because oh, you want to keep people surprised because obviously your work was a huge surprise and a huge boon lifted a lot of spirits out there in the online community if you had all the resources available to you say this was your full-time job and it very well could be because you're very successfully good at this what would your choice be what series would be a full season of star trek done in this style oh you can't say obviously the animated series already did the TOS. So, TNG, I, no, that would nine, be, Voyager. Norm, that would be super meta if it was the animated series of the animated, of the animated series. series. Oh, that would be, be like, the best of the best of the best of the it In its own, it's like it's eating, it's, it's like a snake eating its own tail. But um, I actually think you kind of gave me a, an out here because you said, I, you know, because it's, it could be a surprise. So I actually want to pose the question to you two which series of any Trek series would you? actually consider watching uh animated seriesified filmationified deep space nine uh, <laughs> i would i would love to see you do prodigy in your style Ooh, and that's oh, a, that's interesting it's a beautiful it's a beautiful show like visually yeah. beautiful show so that that would be very interesting um, i just i say deep space nine simply because like towards the end you get into the dominion more and it's like heavy so I <laughs> yeah. want the to, juxtaposition of it being yeah. animated would be great. Yeah. I yeah. mean, if you want to like save on say animation and cells and labor, you could always just do the moving eyes and moving lips and have uh, the, in the pale moonlight speech and just have oh, him yeah. raise his hand. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, and that I could mean, be really I cool. Holly, I've had I've had the image of Cisco drawn in that style in my head, and I'm like, I kind of want to see that. Um, <laughs> so there's that, and then the other thing is, um, oh, what was I going to say? Um, I mean, Deep Space Nine is just such a fantastic show, so it would be fantastic. To, oh, I know what I was going to say. I want to make it clear because I think some I look I haven't been able to re- read all the comments and I'm just so thrilled everybody's enjoying this video so much but some comments there were certain people that thought I was making fun of the animated series and I want to be clear as as silly and funny as it is and it is because of the the music being you know the same five cues used and the stilted animation um I, what I like about the animated series one of the things I love about it is that it can tell a straight story and you can interface it with it that way or you can watch it and you can kind of find it a little bit quirky and funny because of the way it's put together. But honestly, the, the second episode of the animated series, the one uh, called yesteryear about Spock's childhood. Mm-hmm. I cried watching that one. Like oh, that's, that's where a, we that's, meet Aichaya. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, and DC Fontana wrote it and it's mm-hmm. a beautiful episode and it's, it's so full of feeling. And so there's this kind of, like, I think the animated series, I just wanted to, to, to say that, like, it's it's kind of, it's able to do both things. You can just watch it straight, or you can be, can step outside and kind of look at it and go, it's the same music that just played five minutes ago, and the characters aren't moving. It's endearing, so, though. I think anybody yeah. that sort of makes fun of the animated series actually really loves it, because we yes. all, we all sort of poke at it because it's a little bit ridiculous, but I love the animated series. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. you've heard the effort that you put into your animation um, as we're wrapping this up, the effort that you put into animation, I mean, that's the telltale sign that you, you have such reverence for the material or else you wouldn't have done it in your way, in your style without referencing so heavily of something that you obviously respect so very much. So um, would you like to plug your website or how people get in touch with you, where they can find the video before we have to let you go here, Justin? Um, yeah, if you look up Gazelle Automations, I'm sure we could have picked a shorter name for our company, but <laughs> Gazelle, like the animal, and Automations, like something automatic. Um, we, like our background is doing puppets and model miniatures. We actually worked on Thunderbirds in the UK for the, if I don't know if anybody knows what that is uh, in North America, but in England, it's a really, I know Norman's a, is an Anderson <laughs> fan. Um, I, you probably know what that is behind me but i can't see i don't know if it's cut off is it cut off yeah it's, it's just really yeah. small it's <laughs> really really small but it's um yeah so that's what we were doing before but we also do animation work and so if you look up gazelle animations on twitter or uh youtube or facebook um that's how you find us and uh and the i think the video is pretty easy to find on youtube the star trek video it's just star trek tng tas or next generation animated or something like that i think all of those things will find it and we'll put those uh, links also in the show notes as well when we publish this. So, Justin, thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations on the, on the success of, thank you, of this animated short. It's absolutely fantastic. I hope everyone here gets a chance to see it. And um, hopefully we'll be speaking to you again very shortly. So, Yes, thanks, guys. This has been really fun. Thank, thank you. I right, appreciate you, Justin. All right, take care. Picard. Okay. and here we go thank you for that cue because we still have the rest of mission log live to get to so we're going to jump right into the recap here with star trek picard season two episode seven monsters being incessantly questioned by a somewhat familiar counselor wearing a somewhat familiar uniform picard rises to the occasion by telling a story about a queen with fiery red hair in his mind's eye picard's mother dressed like a fairy tale queen and young jean Luc in princely garb are enjoying their time together in the Picard Estates cupola. Suddenly, a dark presence forces them to flee through the mansion and into its deepest dungeons, or perhaps, in actuality, the recesses of Picard's mind. He is still unconscious in the real world and writhing in pain atop an examination table. Meanwhile, Raffi and Seven return to La Serena to locate Agnes, but discover that the Borg Queen has locked out their access to the ship in their only way home. Back in the clinic, Talon uses a mind meld device, which instantly transports her into what appears to be a dungeon. She soon finds a young boy dressed like a prince who tells her that a monster has taken his mother and that they are in his domain. In the counselor's office, both he and John Luke agree that Picard keeps those he cares for at arm's length and never really lets anyone in. The counselor pushes Picard further and wants to know why. As this is happening, the young prince and Talon are attacked by monsters just as they discover a special white and locked door. 
Speaking of locked doors, Rios is forced to show Teresa what exactly is happening in her clinic. He shows her Picard and Talon's bizarre situation, promising to explain everything. Just then, Picard turns for the worse, and with the help of a specially beamed-in neural device, they manage to stabilize him, while in Picard's mind, it's Talon who has freed him from the monster's shackles. Back on La Serena, Raffian 7 continues to hack through the Borg Queen's encryptions and find a trail of destruction in Los Angeles that Agnes is leaving behind. They beam to where she was last seen, and through analyzing security video footage, they both fear that the Borg Queen is now in control and could devastate the course of the future. In Picard's mind, standing in front of that special white door, Jean-Luc, the little prince, and Talon all converge and confront the monster, who looks exactly like the counselor who has been interrogating Jean-Luc all this time. He seems familiar to Picard, and he should. He is Picard's father and explains to his son that the monsters that plague Picard's mind and stole his mother are memories of her outbursts of mental illness. Reconciling with this breakthrough, Picard returns to consciousness and moments later, after accepting that they have shared something very intimate, Talon reveals to Picard, reveals to Picard by way of a pointed ear that she is in fact Romulan. And Rios... Well, the only way he believes to explain everything is by beaming Teresa and her son aboard La Serena, because for starters, he's from Chile and only works in outer space. Back in the clinic, Picard explains to Talon that he believes it's Q who needs Picard and not the other way around. He returns to Tan Ford for guidance help. She confesses that after a ceasefire between her El Orians and the Q continuum, she does have a way from summoning a Q, of summoning a Q, but for the first time, her summoning fails. The only person to enter the bar afterwards was a very milquetoast-esque kind of man <laughs> who's showing them some interesting cell phone footage, flashes an FBI badge as his agents storm the bar, handcuff Guinan and Picard, and take them into custody. The end. This is why I don't read them beforehand. <laughs> I, just, I just let you and John go because there's always something like milquetoast-esque. <laughs> not wrong, though, right? <laughs> no, no, you're not wrong. It's... <laughs> Great. <laughs> very, very uh, Walter Woody uh, in there. So big episode, a lot of exposition. This is Basil Expedition episode, right? It's my you least know. favorite episode so far. I'm, I'm, yeah, I've heard that from many people. Why is that, you think? I don't know. Well, first of all, I feel like it's a little bit of... <sighs> it's probably good character development for Picard, right? But yeah. it's a little bit of a pause in the overall storyline, um, I also setting the mind as like a physical place, like weirds me out for some reason, like even TNG's dark page is a little bit weird for me. I don't, I can't pinpoint why I just, I, I think that that's, I, but how else are they going to tell that kind of story? Right. Like right. these two characters or, or, you know, Talon going into his mind and figuring out like his deepest, darkest secrets that he's obviously not going to talk about out loud. So she essentially goes into his subconscious, which I mean, I sort of view it as like if we were watching somebody have a dream. Right. But mm -hmm. I still don't I don't know why it's not my jam. <laughs> I mean, it's really uh, you have a lot of textures going on. You obviously have kind of like the, the medieval Renaissance Renfair kind of flavor, which is very tropishly traditional star trek mm -hmm. especially in tng you know with um with the, the robin hood q episode i'm sorry that fails me right now that's cupid. the title of that cupid and i can get yeah i can get some of the other jokes i can't i can never pull references of episodes like ever live mm -hmm. it, at least not from tng uh but yeah it's there's a lot going on the, obviously they have a lot of different again tones that are playing with um you have kind of like almost three-dimensional chess going on here you have what's going on with the counselor you have what's going on in Picard's subconscious and you have what's going on with the real world right and it's all right. kind of getting um they're a little out of balance i think but there are some great moments like okay i don't know like who on the writing team is the biggest star trek 4 fan but there obviously is one right yeah. Because when you say I'm from Chile, I don't work in out. I just work in outer space. Come on now. Right. He might as well just have a pizza and a Michelob with them. Too. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of Kirk Taylor stuff going on with Rios and Ramirez, which I appreciate because Star Trek four is my favorite. Even beaming her on board is the same. Right. Because right. Jillian Taylor doesn't believe anything that Kirk is saying until she beams aboard. And uh, well, yeah, and now we have Sun in tow, which is going to be weird. I'm going to touch everything. That, right? <laughs> Get all those fingerprints all over his shiny ship. Uh, MVP casting, though, I think in this episode was James Callis. He was phenomenal, 
phenomenal. He was. Um, what I think. <laughs> or Alexander Siddig. No, it was James. No, they, 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 everybody says they look alike. I don't get it. I, I can tell the difference. Just saying. Okay. Um, Maurice, his father, Maurice, um, teasing him about like, you lived longer than me, but I got to keep my hair. My hair. No, you don't. We see you in tapestry and he loses his hair. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, I but I do like, see- I, I do like the conversation that we're having about the monster actually being um, a mental illness that his mother, Yvette, was suffering from. Um, because I think any continued conversation about mental illness is important. So Pat, uh, Patrick Stewart has made it publicly known, you know, that he has, you know, had traumatic issues in his past regarding um, abuse, um, mm-hmm. abuse, uh, his mother's abuse. Yes. So I this have is, to believe this, this is something is, that's, yeah. Yes. This is obviously something that, that he, I mean, he's, uh, he's credited as a producer, right? So mm-hmm. he obviously has some sort of input and he's um, very outspoken about, you know, domestic violence and his mother was uh, a victim of it. And in turn, so was he as a child. So, um, yeah, I think obviously he had something to do with that. We're going to get to the callers in just a hot minute. Um, we're going to have a few more points of discussion here. We're going to jump right into uh, the ad break where we're going to t- uh, announce the final winner of the, uh, the contest. But one thing, Holly, I wanted to ask you, did we see enough reference or enough of an answer, or at least the allusion to an answer of Gaiden's Kung Fu cat grip, cat claw stance? Not yet. I mean, what we Q? see, we see that in Q who, right. And it's mm-hmm. mostly like, it's weird to me that in Q who it's like, she hates the Q continuum. And in this it's like, she does that, but then she's also summoning them because the summoning is like a new Elarian thing that has mm-hmm. been developed now. Right. And the seats um, far between them and the Q. Yeah. I don't right. think, I, I hope that they expand on that more. And I think that they will um, because yeah, it's the, you know, the connection between the Elarians and the Q continuum has never been expanded upon. So the fact that like they can summon is um, sort of bizarre to me, but I'm willing to see where it goes. (laughs) I wonder if that's also in the reverse as if the Q can summon an Elarian if they need to. I don't know. I mean, why would it be good for one side and not necessarily for Because I don't think Elarians really consider themselves omnipotent or godlike. But the Q can summon. Why would a Q need to summon an Elarian? You don't know. Why would they have to create a ceasefire with them to begin with? Uh, that's a great question too. You know, and we'll get out to those and more after we talk about no man's land. So, um, if everyone hasn't been following Mission Log on Twitter, and you really should have, this is the final week for No Man's Land. So, No Man's Land was a contest that we we're running for an audiobook uh, that uh, kind of chronicles the the uh, the events that between Picard and Picard season two with Raffi and Seven. So. Holly, tell us all about it. Yeah, so it takes place between season one and season two. Uh, there's a Romulan warlord. Um, it's fully dramatized. Um, so you get like the audio and stuff. It's not just like them reading a book. It's like actually like a radio drama almost, which I appreciate because I grew up listening to radio dramas with my dad. Um, but it was uh, done by Kirsten Beyer, who's co-creator, writer and producer of Card, and Mike Johnson, who works uh, in Star Trek comics at IDW. Um, and it is published with full support and participation of Star Trek, CBS, Paramount, and all of the creative and promotional teams. So I just wanted to thank everyone who was following us on Twitter for the last six weeks. And congratulations to all of you who have won your copy of Picard No Man's Land. And this week, the winner of the contest is Henry Atkinson. So Henry, congratulations. Uh, we hope you enjoy your audiobook. And for all of you who have listened to it, please follow us on Mission Log. That's ML under, uh, sorry, Mission Log uh, on Twitter. And please uh, share your comments with us. Let us know how you like the book. Let um, the publishers know how you like the book. Uh, and we can have conversations about that a little bit later, just because it is part of the canon now of Picard. It is official. You have the official actors on there and you have official storylines and official writers on there. So thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to our contest. We hope you enjoy the books that you have won. All right, let's get to it. On to the calls, of which there are many. So 
Who do we have first, Earl? Lars. We have Lars. Lars first. is first up. Hello. Hi, Lars. Hi, Holly. Hi, Norm. How are y'all? Good. How are Doing you? Good. Doing okay. Doing okay. I've listened for hey. a long time. First time I've gotten up ready to call in. Yay. Oh, thanks so for calling in. Give us your thoughts. So, um, just a couple of things. Um, I've really enjoyed the season of Picard a lot. I think. I think last. Year they were very ambitious with sort of the three sort of storylines of the the sense and the sense rebellion or whatever the mm-hmm. uh, board reclamation and um, and then Data's daughters or or and, and robots and I never felt like they all coalesced together. I'm really hopeful with this time that it feels like they've got a better chance of kind of pulling all the threads. They're at the end, and so I'm really hopeful that they are able to make this, make us all happy um, at the end of the whole thing. I, I, I think, like Holly said, um, this, this episode, I really enjoyed this episode, but it did feel kind of like a loss of momentum, just as we didn't get a lot of progress being made in the various fronts that were happening. That kind of, um, but having James Callis, I think, made it worthwhile for me. We also so it have, was James uh, Callis. It was James Callis. It, it wasn't was. Alexander <laughs> Okay, good. <laughs> Not yes. Alexander Zay. We also had uh, Sonny Ozell, and I don't know, the, the, the singer in the bar, that's mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart's real-life wife. Yeah. So we mm-hmm. get some, we get, you know, actors that people have seen in other sci-fi stuff that they're excited about. We get cameos from people connected to Sir Patrick. So uh, I think from that standpoint, cool. But yeah, I do agree with you that, yeah, it, for me, it lost some momentum as well. You know, I, I read that um, in several comments online uh, in our Facebook group and also on our Discord groups and our Patreon um, subscribers. And, you know, it's an interesting thing uh, looking at this overall from kind of like uh, a long narrative standpoint, because as an episode, there's a lot going on. But does it place itself or has it placed itself in the right place within a 10 episode arc? So that's kind of like the going to be like the big thing, like in the last three episodes, eight, nine and 10. Is this kind of like the calm before the storm moment? Is this setting us up? And it's a lot of exposition in this episode. Is it setting up everything that needs to be done and uh, at least addressed in some way or shape in the next three? So I think that that's going to be important. So when we look back on this, we're like, oh, that's this detail, that's that detail. And now those details are being spun off into kind of like their logical conclusions or logical conclusion three-ish hours later at the very end of episode 10. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, it's hard to it's hard when they use an episode in this kind of format as not really a beginning, middle, or end of an episode that doesn't really have a beginning, middle, or end in and of itself, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah, that, that's certainly kind of how I feel. I'm just, you know, with kind of all of the new stuff, I felt, you know, Discovery struggled their first two seasons pulling off that last little bit, I felt. I thought three and four did a really nice job. I think Picard first season almost hit it. And so I'm really hopeful that they've got, a, they've got everything kind of tied together here. One last question for you, Lars. And you don't, uh, you don't have to answer this. I'm just curious because I always love hearing like if there was something in particular that inspired you to make your first call if you're a long time listener first time caller what about today uh inspired you to call in um i don't know i i had a silly thought um and i thought i would i would try to talk about it so if you can indulge me for a few seconds yeah oh, please do this silly that's why thought. you're here <laughs> so, so i had to write this down so i can make sure i get all the way through it but it was it was just watching it was watching james callis and thinking about some connections that um, you know, Gaius Baltar in humanity's distant past under the influence of a beautiful woman in a sexy red dress once unintentionally helped the robots nearly destroy humanity as the robots were in search of their God. Now we know that Gaius is also the father of Jean-Luc Picard, um, who used to be human, but he's now a robot and whose best friend was a robot who desperately wanted to be human. Gaius's robot son, but back when he was human, saved the robot daughter of his best friend, and together last season, they saved humanity from a robot invasion. Now, Gaius's robot son is trying to save humanity from a bunch of half-living, half-robots. Half-living, half-robots who are using a beautiful woman in a sexy red dress in an attempt to conquer humanity. And all of this at the behest, maybe, of a being who at least thinks he's a god. In any event, Gaius's son was also, for a brief time, one of these half-robot, half-living but that was back when he was a human, and now he's a robot. And then finally, for this particular show, 
that original woman in the red dress had a secret group of siblings, one of whom was the sister. She was also a robot, though she thought she was a human for a long time. And this woman was a co-host of this very live show back in season one. Remember back when John Luke was a human working with the robot daughter of his robot friend. But that was before he became a robot. <laughs> Everyone out there so, applaud right now. Oh, sorry. Everyone out there applaud right now. That's Bajoran applause. As soon as you said red dress, I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> amazing. Yes. Fantastic. So, Thank you for indulging me. I appreciate it. That was awesome. That was awesome. Yes, thank you. Thank you for calling in for that, being able to share that with us, because all this has come before, and all this will come again. Yeah, thank you Um, very much. Thanks, Lars. Thanks for calling. I hope to hear from you again soon. (laughs) All right. Ah, Amazing. (laughs) Thank you, Lars. And uh, we have Matthew up next. Uh, And hard act to follow. It's kind of like the, you know, following the Beatles with that kind of story. But hey, you know what? You're on, sir. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I don't have anything nearly that creative to share. Uh, I don't have a red dress, but I am wearing my red Hurricanes jersey. There you uh, go. Up right now over Arizona, where uh, my buddy Emmett lives. So go Kings. Repres- and then uh, Munch is here, too. He's chilling. Hey. He does not seem to care. No. He's cool. He's good. <laughs> but um, I wanted to, to talk sort of about the episode. And you guys mentioned in the past how Patrick Stewart has mentioned how his, his father was abusive towards his mother because, you know, his dad saw a lot of bad stuff and I, I believe it was world war one. Right. And so they were sort of setting up the storyline this year that, you know, Picard's father was abusive towards the mother. And then it turns out, no, mom was just crazy. And I'm, I'm just wondering how that plays with victims of abuse that are constantly blamed when they try to report the abuse or try to get help. It's why are you causing these problems? Or, you know, the police, you, uh, Patrick Stewart said, you know, the police would come and they would they would talk to his mom of like, well, did you say anything? Yeah. What did you do to provoke it? Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm just wondering if, you know, if you're a victim of abuse and you think, oh, maybe this will help bring some light on things. And oh, no. Oh, you're just crazy. Well, I mean, I perhaps that conversation will go further because I see your point and just sort of writing it off at the end of this episode is like she was suffering from from um, some sort of mental health but to be fair he's being told that by his the image of his his father so if we don't see any more my thought process is maybe like that is a conversation about gaslighting as well yeah to have your your father be like no i wasn't abusing her she was crazy and i think we're only really seeing you know in in a like a 40 ish episode format. I think we're only seeing like in one part of the conversation, one side of the conversation. Cause if like, you know, if Picard has, has unlocked certain abilities now to be able to engage with people, because I think that's at the beginning of the episode, that was the, one of the bigger issues. He just can't emotionally connect because something is blocking his ability to do that. Mm -hmm. Now he can. So maybe there's something that he can start exploring in his own mind or his own emotional core perhaps with Talon, uh, where he can go further with that, where he can start being more vulnerable, where he can start unlocking even more doors in the labyrinth of his psychosis. And, and maybe that's where the further conversation is going to happen, because I don't think that they're putting this storyline into this larger storyline for no reason. Like there's, there's a reason why they're including this. Right. And it's very well possible. It could be maybe in the next audiobook. You know, because now we're opening up all of these different possible avenues for exploring more content on an official, and I hate using this word lightly, quote unquote, canon. Ah. Sorry, sorry, Dayton Ward. Don't mean to use that. Sorry. (laughs) What do you think, though? I mean, uh, Matthew, about that. Do you think it's just a, a smaller conversation as part of a larger conversation that may open up? Well, I mean, that. That's the issue with when you're doing these episodes where it's one big, long story and you're only seeing it one episode at a time. It's, you know, you might think something's leading one way and then, oh, once you see the whole picture, okay, no, it turned out this way. And, you know, the other side of that is, you know, mental illness is also its own, its own beast to be slayed or to be dealt with. So it's not like you're making light of anything, but yeah, they're, they're two very serious topics. Yeah. So... And it's, I, I really just found, uh, I don't, I'm no expert in Patrick Stewart's life. I, I have read, you know, many of his confessions and a lot of the, 
you know, a lot of his, you know, personal statements regarding, you know, uh, his abuse and his mother's abuse. And it really does feel like that's informing a lot of his performance in this episode, because for me, at least, this is one of the episodes where I think that I've seen Patrick Stewart dig deep the most emotionally. There are moments there where just the nuances in his face, digging into his his far more baritone-ish voice and a lot of his reactions, a lot of the anger that's coming up. That's what I haven't seen in Patrick Stewart in quite some time in Picard's season, especially in Picard's season one. I just never felt that he was even remotely close to the Picard of old in a way. So that's what uh, was some of the, some of the ways that he was acting in this episode, I felt like were actually less Picard and more just Patrick himself, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but that's something that I picked up on. I was like, I don't know if that's characteristically the reaction Picard would have had, Mm -hmm. um, but it's warranted given that Sir Patrick is acting from a position of having experience with this so yeah i mean he is drawing on obviously a very specific source of pain um it's very well possible and i've uh, when we had uh, Nana Visitor on uh, for one of our interviews, uh, Post Deep Space Nine, when we were wrapping that up, she said that there is a fine line, a kind of like a, a very dangerous point where actors start to summon a lot of real, true, real um, uh, transformative emotional processes where they have a hard time distinguishing the character and themselves. And they even take that to a point where it's hard for them to distinguish the two when they actually leave the set. So perhaps this was his moment. Perhaps he needed this. Perhaps, again, as an executive producer, he needed to do this one last time on air for himself. I mean, that that may come in a commentary. Who knows? Um, But I do think that it's... it's, um, I think it's important that the conversation has been started uh, in this episode, you know, at least for a new audience of Picard fans. And now like chat, because there's a lot that's happening in chat right now where people are talking about this back and forth. And I think that's, it's important. Do we have everything right? Probably not, but at least the conversation is happening and uh, we could probably learn a little bit, a little bit from that as well. Very true. And I know that uh, when Mission Log was covering the next generation, it sort of became, they, they would joke about how it just became repetitive that they constantly talked about what a great actor Patrick Stewart is. And I've no doubt that when, you know, this series gets to uh, its turn in the regular Mission Log, when you get to this episode, it will come up again about Patrick Stewart's wonderful acting chops. I mean, there's, there's a reason, I think, why uh, there's, there are, there are certain performances, certain characters that are obviously going to withstand the test of time, regardless of whether or not they're the captain. Uh, Andrew Robinson is Garrick being one. You know, I think that when you turn into solid performance, you know, and, you know, if you if you boil down the quality of those performances per second, there are only really a handful of, of really, really, really incredible performances consistently across the course of any fandom. And Patrick Stewart happens to be not only the captain of like probably, dare I say, the most famous easily the most famous at the time during syndication series that there yeah. was. Yeah. So, I mean, per second of acting quality, I don't think anyone really hasn't beat. <laughs> no, he was originally the whole blowback that, that the franchise, well, it wasn't a franchise at that point, I guess it was only two, two shows at that point, but um, he was, reported as like an unknown Shakespearean actor when there was like all this blowback about if it's not Kirk and Spock, I don't want to watch it. You know, the little gatekeeper thing that happened in like 1986. All the way back Um, then folks. (laughs) And everything repeats itself, but yeah, unknown Shakespearean actor was what they called him, uh, (laughs) which I find hilarious because he is one of the most well-respected and known actors of our time. So he did all right for himself. He, he yeah, did just bad. fine. <laughs> I, I, I think people will remember him for a thing yeah, or two. Yeah. You know, I want to, I also wanted to say it was great to see Holly, your updates from um, the Chicago convention, your different yeah. outfits. There were so many great outfits. Oh, good. I'm glad that you enjoyed them considering that only one of them was new because I was lazy this year. <laughs> That's all you had to pack it, it all up. <laughs> I did. That was the other thing is like they had to be warm and they had to be transportable because I had to get on a plane. Whereas Vegas, I would drive and could shove as much as I wanted into a car. <laughs> you don't you don't want the TSA poking around in those either. 
I, you know, they made me check my bag because I got to my plane fairly late and there wasn't, or I was like the last boarding, the last boarding group. They made me check my bags and I was like, my costumes are in there. Please don't lose it. (laughs) And they were like, oh, costumes for what? And I was like, oh no. (laughs) We had a lot. We had a long, like pre-show conversation, like two episodes ago when I was, uh, when I was hosting live. Yeah. I know that you were concerned about that. Well, very I, particular thing. Very specifically, I try not to check my bags because I am a tiny human. I have tiny clothes and I can fit it all into a carry-on. I mean, I spent two weeks in Europe with a carry-on only, but I traveled three times via plane as um, a kid. Um, and two of those three times, my luggage got lost. Uh. So I'm very paranoid. <laughs> And I, it hasn't been lost since. So, you know, maybe I, I should pull myself out of that paranoia. And there's technology that when they, you know, when they check my bag, I immediately get a text and you can like track the bag and you can see that it's been loaded on the plane. And like, so maybe I shouldn't be as paranoid as I am. But yeah, I don't, I don't like checking my bags. <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, costumes or uniforms, did we see kind of like the missing link between the Deep Space Nine jumpsuits, Voyager the gray jumpsuits? Oak. I think and we did. It- that was the missing link uniform, right? Mm-hmm. I thought that was so good looking because it had that wonderful flat fabric yeah. in the gray area up top instead of the quilted. And it looked, I want that uniform. I would wear that uniform. I'm sure someone will make it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fabulous. I mean, what did you think about James Callison there, Matthew? Are you a fan of his? Did you like oh, yeah. uh, BSG? Yeah. I loved him in Battlestar Galactica. And uh, okay. I think he did like one or two episodes of CSI a few years ago. But uh, yeah, it was nice. Now we've had both Baltars as part of Star Trek. True enough. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I, th- I really did think that um, I would have probably appreciated seeing him and probably had more impact on the episode if I didn't see him spoiled so early on social media. That really, really ticked me off. I'll be honest with you. I mean, because it's not just an actor. I'm not going to disparage guest actors from coming on. But when you hire a James Callis with the pedigree that he has behind him in the genre of science fiction fandom, you expect a certain gravitas from an actor of his quality. And you know that what he's going to bring is going to be something very, very special. So you already kind of so you already kind of key your anticipation to a certain mode, don't you think? And you also know they're not going to bring James Callis in unless it's for something really special. Exactly. Which is why I say and I'm going to say spoiler alert because I do respect spoilers for people out there all the way back in the very, very, very first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They brought in Bill Paxton. Oh, yeah. Bill Paxton, right? a movie star. You don't bring in a movie star on a TV series because you're going to give him a bit role, which they kind of tried. They tried to slide him in into a bit role. <laughs> there right it was like in mission impossible uh mission impossible i think it was ghost protocol you don't bring in jeremy renner to play sidekick on a role there's a reason why you bring in a jeremy renner right so it's this exact same thing but you know when you spoil something like that with imagery on social media you're like okay obviously there's going to be a big moment and you don't really get that big of a reveal because he's already been revealed. You know what I mean? Mm. So I thought it was just unfortunate. And you know what? I'm okay with spoilers when they're like maybe a day ahead of the episode. Five days, people. Come on, check yourselves. That's a bit much. I really do think. Sorry. Not sorry. Um, (laughs) How about those Romulan ears? Dude. Yeah, I, I mean, not surprised. Actually, I, the uh, her earpiece that she was using, like before she even revealed that she was Romulan, the earpiece that she puts on is pointed. And I was like, what? Wait a minute. Hmm. Are we a Romulan? And then she reveals it. So, uh, but yeah, him say uh, Picard saying that you could be related or like an ancestor. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. <laughs> How deep do these gene pools go? The Soongs and, and now Laris and Talon look exactly alike, you know, 400 years apart or whatever it is. It's a good genes in the uh, Picard universe, for sure. Before I run, I just wanted to say thanks. Uh, I was one of the winners of the, the audio drama, The No Man's Land. Yay. And, uh, it's really good. It reminded me a lot of the old Star Wars radio drama. Sure. 
the different yeah. actors and the sound effects and all yeah. that and the, all the musical cues and all that wonderful stuff. So thank you. I was uh, happy to win and a wonderful audio drama. Very much enjoyed it. So looking forward to the rest of the show, you guys. Well, thank, thank you. you for supporting us there on uh, social media and on Twitter and for hashtagging it out, as the kids would say. You got it. And uh, Munch says goodnight, too. Bye, Bye Munch. Munch. Right, Munch. He it's his care. bedtime. So. He don't Alrighty. care about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Thanks. Good to see you. All right. And uh, are you closing out the show? I guess Paul he H? is. Last but not least. Oh, yeah. God. Here we go. Paul Hardy Contendi. <laughs> it's good to be a dog. I like the dog. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Matthew's get, dog is awesome. You got fed. You got belly rubbed. Oh, it's not man. the like. Right? Oh, I want to thank you so much for bringing the, um, the, the TNG animated guy on. What a, what a pleasure. Yeah. Oh, we watched that. We watched that and just were stunned. And he did that in a week. Are you I kidding know. me? <laughs> hey, Paul, check this out. He's also a fellow patron and in our Discord. Yeah, he is in our Discord. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, so we'll be able to talk yeah. and chat him up there, too. Awesome. Yeah, I just yeah. any any support we can give that guy. I mean, great, great getting him on the air. I, I got to go check out how many hits he got on that. That's just incredible. Yeah, I hope so, too. Yeah. No, uh, thank you for doing that. Um, so uh, have we talked about Guinan yet? A, A little, little bit. bit. Her, yeah. her claw situation and Elarians and how why are they summoning cues and what is the ceasefire all about? I mean, this 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 actress will be, you know, she's she's following, she's channeling Whoopi Goldberg, right? And she's sort of following her role. Um, how do we feel about her her performance? I, I give her a thumbs up. I think she's done an admirable job just coming in and you know the mannerisms and things of being like a young guy. And um, do you have any opinions on that? I think she's just done a really nice job. Yeah, I think she's doing a great job. Um, I. I, I I feel like there's always going to be like some weird gatekeeper situation. And and obviously there was a conversation early on when she was first introduced about like, you know, if Guinan is an Alarian and li- lives for so many years and has been alive since at least the 1800s that we know of, like why, when she it was Whoopi Goldberg then, like, why couldn't it just be Whoopi Goldberg now? But, you know, I think handing the role off to um a new actor is not something that's new to star trek and i think she's doing a fantastic job and 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 if i if i didn't i would say so (laughs) i mean the the interesting thing about bringing someone who obviously can manipulate time up to a point is like bringing in a new doctor all you have to do is just hit the reset button or a refresh button you know get someone older get someone younger and you can still continue a different story i think that's what they're doing with guy and obviously you know she is she's channeling what she needs to channel because there are those certain things that you know just whoopi has brought to the role but i think that um i think there's something new also there and I think that I think the dynamic between an old Picard and a young Guinan is actually really interesting to see. Like not just young Guinan, but young, like angry Guinan, because yeah. she's so disillusioned. disillusioned with humanity at this point. Also, can we talk about the fact that her eyebrow situation is the same? And was that a was that a makeup choice or does she not have no she has eyebrows i'm looking at her right now um they're like covering up her eyebrows or something to make her look like whoopee which is a minor tidbit that i appreciate what do you think was in the bottle that she drank to summon a cue i don't know it's like a weird genie situation i have that in my notes too like do you think that's why she's a bartender to like hide potions and stuff like that amidst like just regular drinks I didn't think mm-hmm. of that. I was just, Could you know, because, be? yeah, because all of a sudden she'll, because, you know, she, she was able to kind of like basically psychoanalyze, I don't remember his last name, but the FBI agent. He says, you know, you're a, you're a bourbon guy, but you're a white wine guy at heart, right? And he's like, yeah, you're right. You know, you, you totally got me. She's like, that's what I do. I know how to read people. So it's kind of like when, when she, you know, brought the Elderbrin whiskey to Picard, it's like, okay, we're going to drink something, but we're going to drink something that, I don't know, maybe have male may have an effect on you in a way where I need to have an effect on you, but in a way that you don't know that I know it's having an effect on you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So she's basically the person that is, that can pull the truth from you, whether you know it or not. And maybe some of those spirits help do that in a way. I don't, I mean, I don't, if that's, if that's the case, that's, you know, a, a new twist to her character and quite frankly, her species. But I liked the idea that the reason why she, that character has been so intuitive is just because she listened and observed, right? Because original Guinan, 
when she's first introduced in the second season of TNG and somebody's like, who are you? And she was like, I'm Guinan. Like I tend bar and I listen. So mm-hmm. I liked the idea that she literally knew everything that was going on and she knew people very well just from observation that it I mean, wasn't she's... any sort of like weird witchcraft or, or, or that she was, had been around so so long, right. That she's been around humanity long enough to sort of learn about humanity on a level that none of us can, because we're not living for two, 300 years the way that she is. But certain spirits also have the ability to just they have the power of suggestion behind them sometimes, you know, uh, and maybe that's her, that's her special skill. But they, I mean, they have that without witchcraft though. They have that without Ilarian, like <laughs> not after a drink. I mean, some people are really, really good at holding their liquor. Maybe she just needs to pry them just a little bit more. You know, I don't know. I, that's just speculation because obviously Soren doesn't have any of that and he's an Ilarian and he doesn't listen and he doesn't drink. So it might be just something particular to her. Mm, yeah. You know, what I really am enjoying is is how, you know, so some major pieces of the TNG Picard story are really being brought together. I mean, it could really, and I get where some people are just rolling their eyes, going, "Oh my God, it's the same stories," but not really. You're allowing, you know, the the story of of Q to to play out in his nefarious ways at towards the end of Picard's life. You're seeing and how important Picard is to Q, but you also have this this relationship with with uh Guinan that that has these threads now that are really different and i i find this this i i treat and as somebody mentioned this on the how they were disappointed in the episodes and and i can see how some people when i first watch this one i'm like what is this is it like a mental study of patrick stewart's life or and then i sat back and i just enjoyed the acting right so that's where i always fall back to with picard because the acting is so exemplary with a tremendous cast and i'll let the arc play out just let it play out. I'm not even going to guess anymore. I mean, I have it on good authority. There can be multiple cues of the same. A cue can exist in multiple timelines. I asked that question of a certain scientist in, in Chicago. <laughs> she, she said, well, you know, we allow for cues to cross timelines. So uh, my theory there is sort of um, shot. So I just give up. I'm just going to enjoy the, the rest of the episodes. And I, oh, what great acting. I, I just marvel at all of it. It's been tremendous. I mean, you know, John and I talk about this from time to time. And sometimes you just have to basically um, kind of critique the story for the story that it's telling, not for the story that you believe it should tell or the story that it should reference. Because at this stage in the game, Star Trek has been on in, I don't know how many iterations for 56 years. There's going to be a point in time where kind of like the creativity is going to fold on itself because there's a point where all the stories are eventually told, all the music's eventually played, all the books are eventually written, and everything becomes a more or less, sometimes more creative, sometimes less creative derivative of itself, right? You know, the creation story has been told a myriad of different ways. It's still the creation story. The quest story, the same thing. You know, a certain piece of music, you know why you've think you've heard it before from a different composer because another composer did it a different way. It doesn't mean it's less special. It doesn't mean it's more obvious. It just means that it is. What does it mean to you? Does it, is it affecting you in a positive way? Is it bringing you enjoyment? Uh, is it furthering the story that it tries to tell or into the context of what it's trying to be? It doesn't really have to be more complicated than that, in my opinion. I'll step off my soapbox now. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like John listening to, to Norman. <laughs> you know, when I listen to you guys on the unedited uh, version, that, that, that's awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. And uh, I got one last thing I got to point out. Since I picked on Holly so much about it snowing in Chicago, I, I had nature's retribution today. I got, we got three inches of snow out of the clear blue. So just for Holly, just let you know, Mother Nature got back at me. So that's the way it goes. It was- it was 70 and sunny here in Southern California. It was a delightful day. I'm sorry. Out, I was out trying to drive this stuff. So anyway, <laughs> it's always a pleasure to see you two on Monday nights and uh, look forward to finishing off Picard here in the next three weeks. Awesome, so, Paul. Thank you. And uh, thanks for sharing all the pictures possible. and um, organizing all of the, uh, the, the great happenings that were happening in Chicago. Uh, looking forward to doing that in Vegas. Yes. Really yeah. looking forward to Vegas. Hope we can get a few folks to join us there. So, cool. okay. sure. have a great right. night, you two. Thanks, Paul. All right. Well, there we have it, Holly. We are at the bottom of the hour, and that's our show. Great show. Yeah. A lot uh-huh. of fun. 
Are yeah. there any points in, you have a long list of notes, which I think is great. I, I mean, it's I, wonderful just, preparation. I don't, it's not wonderful preparation. It's just a train of thought <laughs> from when I rewatch it. But is there anything um, that uh, you wanted to get one last thing in? Because I have one last thing. And I no, just you like go ahead it. then. Because I think we touched on everything that I had taken notes on. Okay. So just because you're possessed by the board queen doesn't make you less human or less more or more invulnerable. You know what I mean? Like you punch glass when you're a human. I don't care who's possessing you. You're going to get cut. If you like tear off handcuffs from your wrists and you're human, you're going to get bruised or break bones in your wrists. They're still handcuffs. That's all I have to say. I'm just saying. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so think about that. Put that in the mission log chat or, you know, you know where to find us. You know what to do. That's it. That's our show. So Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live from the Duke of Verl of the Green Room. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcasts. If you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thanks to Holly for being here as co-host. Thanks to all of you in chat. Sorry that we couldn't get to you tonight, but the trade-off was getting Justin in here to talk about his amazing TASTNG animation. Thanks to everyone you joined us uh, live or who will join us later. We look forward to reviewing the next episode of Star Trek Picard with you on Mission Log Live next week. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.